Hello, I'm senior reporter Pam Zubek, and this is a special edition of the 6035. They were as young as six and in their 90s and all ages in between. They were teachers, military members, brothers, moms, and grandparents. They left behind people who loved them, and all of their deaths were preventable. If all had died at once, surely there would have been an outpouring in the community and calls for taking steps to prevent such senseless losses. But the people whose lives were snuffed out in 2022 died at different times, all different times, early morning, evening, on different days of the week, and different months of the year. As of December 31, 56 people had lost their lives in traffic crashes in Colorado Springs, the most since 2020, when 51 people died in traffic. Some were driving vehicles, others just riding as passengers. Some were on motorcycles, some on foot. In most cases, excessive speed, alcohol or drugs, or distracted driving played a role. Or as El Paso County Coroner Leon Kelly, who conducts autopsies on all crash victims, notes, more than two-thirds of those deaths could be attributed to humans doing dumb and careless things. I was able to sit down with Lieutenant Steve Noblet, who oversees patrol support in the Special Enforcement Division of the Colorado Springs Police Department, to talk about the story further. Before we do, I need to mention that in our interview, Lieutenant Noblet mentioned 57 fatalities last year in Colorado Springs. However, the final total was actually 56 fatalities. That 57 number included a person who died of a heart attack that then caused a one-vehicle crash. Steve, you're going to help us understand these um, traffic fatality numbers today, but can we start by you giving us your background so that we know uh, the work that you do in this unit? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a lieutenant with the Colorado Springs Police Department. I've been uh, with the department over 25 years. Um, I have a traffic background. I was a motorcycle cop uh, 2000 to 2000 and or 2001 to 2005. And right now I oversee our motorcycle unit. I'm the lieutenant over the section. I also oversee our fatal crash team. So we kind of have a, uh, you know, we have the enforcement side and then we have the investigative side when we have uh, serious crashes that include traffic fatalities. And so really what we're, you know, what we try to do is look at the causes uh, of the traffic fatalities and then figure out on the enforcement side um, what we can do to, you know, try to change driving behaviors to, you know, reduce these, uh, these traffic fatalities. Well, that sounds like a big job. So, it is. Um, um, but this past year, 2022, Colorado Springs set a record uh, for traffic fatalities. Um, can you tell us how many lives were lost and how that compares to past years? Yes, yeah, so we had uh, 57 um, in 2022, is uh, where we we ended up. And our record year up to that point was in 2020. Believe it or not. Uh, the year of COVID, uh, when it, we had its biggest impact. And so we had 51 traffic fatalities that year. We had 50 traffic fatalities in 2021. So it's really kind of, you know, inexplicable. Um, you know, we've looked at all the different kinds of causes, you know, whether it's speeding or, you know, reckless driving, is it street racing? Is it distracted driving? You know, all of those kinds of things. And, is there like one thing that if you ask me right now, okay, if we stop doing this one thing, what would it be? And, you know, and the, the answer is it's, it's so 
so many different variables that are that are leading to these traffic fatalities. We can't point to any one thing. We can we can say that yeah, absolutely, speed is a contributing factor in these crashes, um, and we have a number of them where we can say that speed was a contributing factor. So overall, I'd say that um, that would probably be if I could get people to you know slow down. Um, I will say that, you know, what we're seeing when we say speed is a contributing factor, it's usually quite excessive. Um, and I wouldn't speculate that the average person is out there driving in excess of 20, 30 miles an hour over the speed limit. But uh, that's certainly happening and in some cases contributing to traffic fatalities. What's the highest speed uh, that you've clocked in the city? Oh, gosh. We have 100 and I think we had 117 in a neighborhood <laughs> that uh, we clocked this year. Um, and then we easily on the interstate are over over that in 120. I think we had 124. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I have my motorcycle officers will send me, um, you know, those when they we catch them because they're just they're just so extreme. It's, mm -hmm. just, it's even on the interstate. That's just, you know, really a speed that uh, can contribute to someone's not being able to respond to someone shifting lanes quickly or a tire flying off of a car or debris or whatever. There's just a number of things. And so that's just too excessive. It's too fast. You know, I looked at all of these um, in some degree of detail and was surprised to, to find out that um, – most, but not all, are the person who dies is the one who was at fault, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but not all. And so, you know, the big thing for years is drive defensively, drive defensively. But some people who lost their lives were not doing anything wrong. And they might have been driving defensively, but there's just nothing they could do, you know. So yeah. what do you tell people, you know, to avoid being another statistic? Well, I, you know, the best piece of advice I've ever heard and I've ever given is to drive like you're invisible. Um, so if you imagine driving around this city and just thinking nobody can see you, and so you're, you've got 360-degree awareness that way. You're constantly paying attention to what's coming at you, who's to your left, who's to your right, who's behind you. Um, and even doing that, in some of these cases, there's just I, – I, I don't know if there's anything a person could have done. I mean – you know, we had a case on Powers. Um, I think you and I talked about that, where a car went. You know, had there was a collision in the on the northbound side, and the car hit another car, which forced that car into the meeting, and then they went into the southbound lanes and hit a car that was driving southbound, mm -hmm. and killed that driver. Um, and so, you know, looking at that case, I mean, my gosh, it's just like I don't know that that person could have done anything differently. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were. They were driving uh, appropriately, um, and bam, I mean, somebody goes across the median and, and comes into their lane. And, and Now, the actions of the people on the other side that, that contributed to that, you know, there, there could be accountability there. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as predicting that, uh, whew, I don't know. I don't know if the most experienced driver, you know, mm -hmm. that's the most defensive would have done anything differently. Which is what makes this so shocking, really. Um, yes. Are uh, – is this increase in traffic fatalities unique to Colorado Springs? No. Uh, statewide, we're seeing it. 
if you uh, talk to the state patrol, they're seeing an increase in traffic crashes across the state. So I think it's a it's a it's an epidemic, if you will. I, I don't know what the exact root of it is, um, but I can tell you that there's a lot of things that I, you know I would would contribute distracted driving to that. Um, you know, you, it it doesn't take you very long if you just sit and watch. If you stood out here in, on Nevada Avenue and just watched every car going by. I think you'd be surprised to see how many people have their phones up and are actually looking at them, not making a phone call, but doing something else with their phone mm-hmm. that could be distracting them from just looking for pedestrians in the roadway or, you know, a car pulling out from a driveway or, you know, those kinds of things. And so I would say that, I don't know, I th- I, maybe it has something to do, you know, there's speculation that the the pandemic and more people that didn't drive for a long period of time. And then now more people are driving. I think we could, you know, it's all speculative and we could, we could try to take a guess, but I would just, you know, every time I, we have one of these videos and I'm able to do an interview with the media, the thing I talk about is, you know, these are preventable crashes, the majority of them. Now you and I just talked about one where that particular piece of it to where they're just driving down the road and all this comes their way but the actions on the other side of the road were preventable Mm -hmm. and so if these crashes are entirely preventable if people would you know drive responsibly and with courtesy and really drive the way that you want to see other people driving you you can talk to anybody and oh people drive crazy and you know they do this this and this thing that i don't like to see but do you do that you know, and so it's drive, drive the way you want to see other people drive. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the pandemic. Um, other states, you know, other departments in other states across the country, uh, there was more reckless driving, more speeding, more uh, violations of all different descriptions right. in uh, traffic. And wh- why would that be? Why would it be that during the pandemic people felt entitled to drive that way well i you know i can speculate that you know less people on the roadway we know that traffic volumes went down significantly we had less people going to work more people working from home more people being isolated and that kind of thing so there was less people on the road and there could have just been that that sense of well i don't need to be as aware i don't need to be as cautious there's fewer people on the road fewer chances of me being involved in a crash um so you know you could you could speculate at that um but I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of the psychological things that went on with the pandemic, too, that, you know, people were, were worried and scared. And, and so maybe that translated into some driving behaviors that uh, they needed to be somewhere fast or they wanted to get somewhere fast. They wanted to get, you know, do what they had to do and get home again and, and be, you know, be protected or safe. I don't know. I think there's a lot of different things, but, you know, it's – I think as a community, we have got to look at this as a, a very serious problem. It impacts every single one of us. Everybody, you know, everybody's listening to this broadcast and people in this room. Our very next day, we could go out and, and be walking down the road or driving down the road and become a victim of someone's careless behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just, it's frightening. I mean, one of our fatals, uh, pedestrian crashes was a gentleman that was, you know, on the curb on 8th Street was waiting to cross and was killed by a crash that happened in that intersection and pushed over and, and hit him. And so it's just these bizarre circumstances to where 
it's almost hard to imagine that mm -hmm. you're, you know, I'm going out for a walk. I'm trying to get to where I need to get to. And there's this big crash and it, you know, and it ends up coming over and getting me. Um, but you know, it's just, we, we all got to keep our head on a swivel and, uh, but really it, it comes down to the people driving the cars that, you know, if you can, you know, just, just slow down and, and drive with courtesy, you know, don't get all upset. You know, I, people get angry and they want to, you know, try to get back at the car that, you know, cut them off or whatever the case is, but just let it go. Mm -hmm. Just let it go. And of course the cell phone. Um, yeah. I think there's some kind of a law in the books. You tell me, um, about, uh, texting while driving, but right. tell us why that's a hard statute to enforce. Well, I mean, how, how do I know if you're texting or if you're picking up your phone to make a phone call or if you're looking at your GPS? Uh, because you're trying to get to a certain location. Um, it's really difficult to know what that driver was doing. And, and so, it, and it's, um, I believe that is a secondary violation to begin with. So, you know, you'd have to be stopping them for something else, but to figure out whether or not they were actually in, you know, texting is, I mean, it's a dubious task. Mm -hmm. And so, there's lots of other things that distract us about our phones that doesn't involve texting. So, speaking of enforcement, mm -hmm. um, why don't you tell our listeners, viewers, whatever, um, how the police department enforces the traffic laws? It's with a motor unit, you say. And so tell us about your motor unit and how they operate and how they're staffed and that sort of thing. Sure. And all police officers can enforce uh, the traffic laws. Um, the reality of it is, is our patrol officers are going from call to call and generally don't have the time to do traffic enforcement. Um, they do some. And when they have that time, they do enforcement. But predominantly, you're going to see the enforcement arm of the, the police department is going to be with our motorcycle officers. And so right now, we're, we're allotted 20 slots, so 20 officers to work in the motor unit. Uh, we currently are down eight of those spots. Well, and there so, you go. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, and people may be like, oh, my gosh, how's that possible? Well, you got to look at our staffing in general in terms of we're trying to hire police officers to respond to your 911 calls. And that's really the, you know, the backbone of what police service is, is that when you call for police help, that you get someone to respond to your call for help. And so units like the motorcycle unit that have an ancillary purpose of doing traffic enforcement sometimes take the hit because we need those officers and patrol to respond to those calls for service. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happened over the years is that um, because we've had a harder time filling our, our regular positions on the police department that when we run lower, some other parts of the department, the specialized units, you know, they have to carry some vacancies. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, you know, what we're seeing happen with our traffic enforcement unit. Um, to elaborate a little bit on the enforcement, um, my understanding is that the, the Springs Police Department, as well as other local departments, mm -hmm. cooperate with other agencies for certain direct enforcement efforts sure. and that sort of thing. So could you tell us about how that works and how often it's done and what the how effective has it been and that sort of thing? So, yeah, we'll, we'll work with state patrol and, uh, you know, and like, for example, on, uh, Thanksgiving Eve, 
the eve of Thanksgiving, we had a, you know, a larger presence of officers focused on DUI enforcement and aggressive driving behaviors. And so we partnered with state patrol. So we had extra state troopers in our El Paso County, also worked with Monument and Fountain and the El Paso County Sheriff's Office. And what we essentially did was we just all focused on traffic enforcement with the resources that we could. Um, and we, we, we just went out and we contacted people. And so we did that on December 31st as well, a few days ago as best we could. Um, it was a Saturday enforcement. And so we'll do that and we'll try to do that in front of those bigger travel days. Mm-hmm. So that we can, you know, have more officers out there to try to get help people get where they're going safely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but going into this year, um, I know I do. I do plan to partner and with uh, the state patrol and other agencies as much as possible to have those big enforcement actions to where it's not just whether you're in the city limits of Colorado Springs, but if you're in a larger area, you know, there's extra enforcement out there. So you can't, you know you're being watched whether it's on the interstate and you know you're coming into town if you're going to be driving aggressively there's likely going to be somebody to contact you and so we do our officers do that every day they're working obviously but what we try to do is we have um, overtime opportunities through the department of transportation colorado department of transportation has provided us with a grant so we can pay officers to work enforcement on an overtime basis and then we you know sometimes we just have overtime that we can um, you know, from the department that we can use to pay officers uh, overtime to do those things. So this is above and beyond what we do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have a lot of motivated officers that we get to work on an overtime basis so that we have, you know, just more coverage. Mm-hmm. Well, I did a ride along with one of your motor officers and um, not on a motorcycle. Oh, no. <laughs> we didn't give him um, your helmet. And I believe it was he that told me, um, um, that sometimes when those directed enforcement activities are underway, they'll put them over the, they'll put them on the sign. You know, mm-hmm. they'll put the overhead um, changeable electronic yeah, signs over the highway, directed enforcement operation in, in effect, and people will still drive like maniacs, you yeah. know. It's yeah. just crazy. But anyway, um, so I think we're probably going to wind this down here in a little bit. But I want to... Um, ask you if you can tell the public, you know, tell, what is your message to the public? I mean, put the phone down, drive. Absolutely. <laughs> you know. Um, I, I would, I, I'm going to try to appeal to people's uh, just sense of compassion and, uh, and, and just think that, you know, there are 57 individuals, citizens of the city that aren't aren't here in 2023 and every single one of them had a family every single one of them you know had thoughts that you know they would be experiencing another christmas and another new year's and so another birthday and i would just this your life isn't worth it your life isn't worth your impatience your wife life isn't worth not being late to work your life isn't worth um, an appointment being late to an appointment, slow down and, and, and really just relax. We live, you know, we're fortunate to live in a beautiful area with a beautiful scenery, slow down, listen to your favorite broadcast, 
look around and enjoy your drive. It should not be a stressful experience. And if more of us took on that attitude of, oh, look, I'm one or two miles an hour under the speed limit. I'm not worried about that. I'm, you know, and that means the cars behind them need to back off and, and don't get all worked up that, oh my gosh, this person isn't pushing the speed limit or going over the speed limit. And so I would just ask everybody to relax and, and drive with courtesy and just know that uh, these deaths that we're seeing on, on the roadways, and if you saw what I see when I go out and I see these 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 people that are dead on our roadways, um, it, it really it, it, it stays with you and it impacts you. And so I would just ask you to, to, to think about that. And you may not care about yourself, but you probably care about there's someone out there that you care about. And they're out amongst us as well, driving around. So slow down. Um, and if we all did that, I think we could prevent a lot of these deaths. Hopefully. Yes. Okay. Thanks for being here. Oh, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure. The 60 30.